welcome everybody welcome to this normal edition of brownsville tech live <laughs> and in the house tonight we've got my good friend and the apple guru of gurus for the rgv mr doug blunt doug welcome back oh thanks for inviting me and i'm, I'm happy to talk about this subject that uh, i think we both love oh yeah there's no doubt that uh we've kind of been uh anxiously awaiting some news from our buddy tim cook and apple but they seem to be slow we were hoping for an event next month but it looks like the only thing they're going to come out with is maybe the vision pro and a few ipads i don't know about the ipads uh yeah it may be closer maybe in march maybe i don't know but the vision pro that's their bit that's I heard, a big deal right there. Yeah, I heard that the Vision Pro was going to be next month and possibly yeah. several iPads being released in March. Right. The, now, has uh, uh, iOS 17 already been released? Oh, yeah. That was way, way back in September. We're up to 17.3 now. Okay. But I thought I read somewhere they were doing they had just done an update again. That was 17.3. Point three. Ah, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we're, But the we're Vision old. Pro, I mean, you know, people will probably have their Vision Pro hands on the Vision Pro as early as next week. Yeah. Well, for those that can afford it, right? <laughs> have you pre-ordered have you pre-ordered your uh Vision Pro yet? Two of them. I assume you and Diva are gonna be using them on the bikes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are looking at, um, some, um, we're against the, the, um, it seems that the GoPro is not the camera to use. There's a camera made by DJIA. I think, I think I got that right. That's pretty good. And their microphone is outstanding too. So all the e-bike influencers, that's what they use. Isn't DJI or DJI, I can't remember what their name. Aren't they also into yeah. uh, uh, drones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're big on drones they're, they're because, drones. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they, in fact, some of their drone models are pretty good, from what I heard. So, but anyway, they are. I've seen some drones. Yeah, you'd be surprised they, these e-bikers. They, you know, they have drones. They all got drones, and when they do their e-bike rides, they have a drone flying overhead. It's amazing. <laughs> Well, hopefully they're not the ones controlling the drone. Hopefully it's somebody else, right? So no, they're the, they're the one controlling the drones. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I get a bang out of the selfie stick. You know, they have the selfie stick they ride with, and they stick the selfie stick out, and you can't see the selfie stick after the video's made. Wow. Yeah, it's it. You can you know, so it's you know somehow the. The video, um, you know, marks out the, the selfie stick. Yeah. yeah well, which is sooner or cool. later, we're going to get to self-autonomous bikes as well, in addition to cars. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> quite. Yeah, quite we'll talk today. about that. I've been watching uh, uh, YouTube videos on the uh, Tesla beta software, um, you know, with the self-driving part. There's yeah. a whole bunch. There's a whole channel devoted to that. Yeah, 
I've been watching. I've been watching. It's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And I visited a Tesla dealer this afternoon. Oh, you did. I did. Yeah. I on it was on the way to on the bike ride. We went right yeah. by it, and I said, "Hey, listen, I want to go in there and just kind of look around a little bit." And yeah. sure enough, yeah, they had a couple of Model Ys in the uh, showroom. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. 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 Now, do they have yeah. some in stock for people to pick, or is it still pre-order? You know, I didn't get that far. They yeah. wanted me to take a test drive, and I said, you no, 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 you, "No, you should have taken no, a test no, drive." No. Well, yes, I just asked about the price, and you know, and I, of course, so the the answer was, "Well, you can't afford it if you got to ask for the price, right?" And oh my gosh! Uh, and we looked it up, and I think it was. Uh, Fifty-four thousand and plus with the uh, with the uh, tax credit, I think it was forty-five thousand, something like that. Yeah, wow. That's for well, the Model could, Y. Well, what you and Diva could do is just trade in the Equinox for one of those. You know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, hey, I, I almost got it paid for. I only owe a couple more payments on. That's it. <laughs> All right. I got the bike crack on it and everything now. So yeah, I mean, you know. I well, I mean, I know I watch a guy that's got a Tesla and and he's got a bike, he's got an electric bike, and he's got a bike rack on it. Oh wow! Yeah, and this is at Rancho, right? I haven't seen one, but I see a lot of Teslas out here. A lot of Teslas. Matter of fact, oh, we I have bet. here in the here in the projects, we have two Teslas uh, in here in the projects. Oh wow! And that's scary yeah, for the, being the projects. Yeah, and one of the one of the guy one of the guys um he wants to put a home you know, he wants to put a home charger in his garage and there's a HOA fight going on over that. Oh wow. Yeah, well, maybe they just, he needs to get Elon involved to fight the HOA. Uh, you know, people. They just don't understand, you know. <laughs> well definitely the chargers. I asked about the charger today and it was I said, Hey, how much is a home charger? And, she, and the lady said it's like four fifty. It's four fifty, yeah. It's, about, it's four fifty, and then you usually have to pay about a thousand dollars or so to get somebody in it uh, wired up. Oh wow! And that's a yeah. normal electrician that does that, or what? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so so you don't have a bunch of dead robots running around here and down here, right? <laughs> you heard about that, right? Up in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. We've got a bunch of dead robots here. All right, Doug. Well, actually, what we're here tonight for is to review uh, the book Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson. Mr. Isaacson um, actually has written other biographies, including uh, Steve Jobs' biography. And as you know, that became a movie. And I've been posting yep. to try to get people going on who would uh, play Elon in uh any movie, but uh, I haven't heard too many people mention any names, you know. So William Shatner, William Shatner. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, you know, at, at his age, I mean, who knows how long much more he'll survive? He's like ninety-five, you know. I'm yeah, surprised I mean, he, I he's ninety-two. Yeah, I mean, he took a big risk writing on Jeff Bezos's uh, Blue Origin rocket a few months ago, you know. Still, still rides horses every day. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I just, I just watched a, a interview between Chris Cuomo and William Shatner, 
and he says, yeah, he's 92, and he still rides horses every day. He has to get a ladder to get up on the horse now, though. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Well, but we're here no, to talk I, I about this book. Basil. Yeah. Huh? We're here to look at this book, obviously. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's 615 pages for anybody who's interested in purchasing it and obviously reading it took me about three days, really, to finish the book, which was kind of fast. But uh, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat is Mr. Isaacson chose two quotes from uh, two famous individuals. One was Mr. Musk himself. It said, to anyone I've offended, I just want to say I reckon I reinvented electric cars and I'm sending people to Mars in a rocket ship. Did you think I was also going to be a chill, normal dude? <laughs> yeah. And then the next quote is by my previous mentor. Uh, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that actually do. And that was Mr. Steve Jobs himself. You know. So what did a you lot think of, of references, his... A lot of references to the Steve Jobs book, I thought. In this yes, book, in this book. there were a lot of references. As it. you and I spoke, you know, uh, a day or so ago, I pretty much labeled, you know, Elon, Steve Jobs on steroids. Because there's definitely similarities, but a lot of differences. You know, um, you know Mr. Jobs was a great showman. And he did some mm. engineering work when he worked over, I think he worked over at, it wasn't Xerox, who, it was at HP. He worked at HP for a while, and he also worked at Atari for, for a while. Worked for Atari for a while, yep. Yep, and so he, he sure did, did. A, little, a little engineering here and there, but he didn't do the engineering that developed the Apple II. That, right. that work was done by Steve Wozniak, obviously. And the Woz yeah, is Woz. still yeah. the Woz is still alive. I I was afraid he was gonna kick still the bucket. Kicking. Well, I thought he was gonna kick still the kicking. bucket. He got sick in Mexico City a few weeks ago. Yep. He was at some conference and I don't know what he what happened, but uh he got sick. So I thought, oh no, you know. Now he's he's well, I think he still owns some shares of Apple, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he just owns uh, some. I think they gave him some shares as and, a founder, you know, founder shares or something, you know. I mean, he's set up for life. I mean, you know, he's got plenty of money, so. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And he speaks all the time all over the world, and he gets a, you know, he, he may not get a presidential fee for speaking, <laughs> but he gets a pretty good fee for talking. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, well, definitely, so. you know, like I said, you know, Jobs was, uh, you know, a great showman, a great marketer. But Elon Musk seems to go a little further than that. He's actually into engineering. And the book points out that quite a bit. You know, he's quite got an obsession with manufacturing. You know, uh, Tim Cook has been given a lot of credit at Apple for being the supply side wizard. You know, in the manufacturing right. wizard, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that, you know, Apple has done quite well. And obviously, you know, uh, as you well know, you know, uh, 
manufacturing is a big thing when it comes to producing things, you know. And the book clearly yep. shows that, you know, Musk has been very involved in all facets of process. His famous phrase he doesn't was let delete. any engineers blow any smoke up his butt, that's for sure. No, that is for sure. You know, his famous thing yeah. is delete, delete, delete. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. So what did you think of the book, Pretty good Doug? metallurgist. I thought it was pretty good. You know, I've read, you can look on my bookshelf up there. I've got just, I think I've got all of Isaacson books, you know, Benjamin Franklin, you mentioned, yeah. you know, Leonardo da Vinci, um, uh, Codebreakers, um, you know, Steve Jobs, of course, uh, Albert Einstein, um, you know, all his books. And I like this book much better. And I actually like this book better than I did Steve Jobs' book. Really? I haven't read the Steve Jobs. I actually went straight to the movie that was based on the book somewhat. Yeah. But I really enjoyed but, this book. I mean, it, it one of the things, even though it's 615 pages, the chapters for the most part are pretty short. So pretty short. They, they A lot kinda, of chapters. They kind of get you going through all the different chapters and all the different phases of his life. And one of yeah. the very first things that the book touches on is the fact that he was bullied quite a bit when he was a kid in school. Especially uh, since his father sent him to that, uh, that camp when he was a kid. Oh yeah. Can you talk a little bit what that camp was? Yeah, there was a camp down, you know, every, you know, for those who don't know, you know, uh, Elon Musk was born in 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 South Africa, Pretoria, South Africa, nineteen seventy one, and um, his father was an engineer, a pretty good engineer, from what the book says. But and his mother was a like a like a supermodel, very beautiful. Yeah, okay. yeah, she did a lot of yeah. modeling. Yeah, and. Uh, and then, but his his uh, father, you know, uh, uh, believed that he'd be tough. So, you know, when he was like uh, very young, I think he was younger than fourteen, wasn't it? Pretty, yeah, yeah. he was pretty young. He they sent he they, there's a um, like a survival camp. Okay, we we send kids to Boy Scout camp or something. You know, at least we used to. And then they down in South Africa, they send them. Um, you know, to this um, survival camp where, you know, they get bullied around quite a bit. And, you know, he basically got the tar beat out of him all the time. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. Did did Kimball go with him or did Kimball stay behind? No, he did. I believe that he also attended the camp at the same time. Yeah. Kimball is Musk's younger brother. He's about two years younger. Right. Well, one and, of the things and, that Musk mentions is that that adversity that he experienced not only in school but obviously with his relationship with his father actually uh shaped him for the most part you know um yeah i mean he he basically says that well i don't know if he he coined it but he felt that he had some level of ptsd i mean he has mentioned even though I believe that the book says that he's never been officially diagnosed, that he had Asperger's. That's what his mother said too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having um, 
What yeah. was that? Uh, not Park. Uh, um, Asperger's. Asperger's. Yeah, his mother said, "No, he never been diagnosed." Yeah, so he hasn't yeah. really been diagnosed, but definitely the the father was a good engineer. In fact, you know, there's a chapter called "The Adventures." You know, it talks about the father buying this uh, airplane, and they flew around that airplane, you know, quite a bit. All around, yeah. all around Africa, Rhodesia. At that time, it was called Rhodesia. Now it's called Zimbabwe, and all that area around there. And yeah. then, you know, uh, when Musk was growing up in South Africa, you know, they were still under, uh, you know, apartheid. You know, they, and um, you know, you know, Musk's grandfather. It mentioned talks about Musk's grandfather on his mother's side. You know, he was a airplane pilot in. Canadian, wasn't he? I think so, wasn't he? I think so. I think so. Yeah. He eventually got killed in an airplane crash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one but of the his, things is, yeah, you know, they talk about, he talks a lot about his relationship with his father. But it appears yeah. that in Chapter 3, you know, he, there is a time period that he actually go lives with his father. Which yeah. is kind of kind of interesting, you know, that he actually chose to do that, you know. That's that's true. He, yeah. uh, you know, they had he, you know, when the, when his mother, his mother and his father divorced. Well, then, you know, he lived with his mother for a while. And him and Kimball, and the sister, what's her name, Tosca. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they lived with the mother, and then you know, after a while, they, you know, they'd go visit the father, and finally, they decided to. Kimball, I think Kimball and Elon lived with his father for a little while. Yeah. That well, might I, that might have been some interesting times, I think. Yeah, one of the things that caught my attention is that, you know, he was always bugging his father for a computer. You know, he wanted a mm -hmm. computer badly. And, you know, one of the things about those uh mentions is that it kind of brought back memories for me. I mean I'm actually the same age as Elon Musk is, so we're basically from the same generation. So we grew up okay. around the late 70s, early 80s, and, you know, during that time, you know, home computers were just coming about. You know, the Apple II, the Commodore 64, yep. the Radio Shack Trash 80s, if you remember those, Maybe you know, and so yeah. there was a lot of, you know, homebrew clubs out there, and I remember... right. Um, walking into a computer land back in the early 80s, I'll still remember this. Mm -hmm. I was 12 years old, and I walked into mm -hmm. the computer land. We actually had one here in Brownsville, and um, they wow. had a Commodore 64. And wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was basically when I walked into that computer land and saw that Commodore 64 for the very first time, it was basically love at first sight. It was love at first sight, and I kept on bugging my mom, just like he mm -hmm. bugged his dad that I wanted a that I wanted a Commodore sixty four. And after months of begging and begging and begging, I finally got one for Christmas. So he talks about where you know he finally gets his computer. I guess the father finally gets him a computer, and he starts uh, programming. And ba back in those days, uh, you know, when you had a Commodore 64 or an Apple II, the most popular language was BASIC. 
It yeah. was. You know, we would get these magazines. I would subscribe to computer magazines, and I would they would come. Oh, in I remember with, those days. Yeah, remember they come in with basic programs, and you type the things in, and you hope and pray that after <laughs> after you typed, spend hours debugging, debugging, yeah, trying to figure... spending hours on there debugging it back and forth. You know. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. Yeah. It was really crazy, but it it kind of brought back memories. It brought back a lot of memories, and then. You know, him spending a lot of time coding, you know, and learning how to code and code and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, it was just, it's something that I personally can relate to because that's that's how I learned programming. I learned it at 12 years. I learned basic at 12 years old. And then I went over to Pascal and I never got to do Fortran. <laughs> and, but it was basic Pascal and C++. Yeah, those were the programming languages that, you know, I learned about, but it was kind of interesting. He built a, he developed a, a game called Blaster, by the way. Yeah, by the way, yeah, Blaster. Yeah, he mentions that he, that he, uh, yeah. you know, uh, made a pro, uh, a game called Blaster, and I can't remember how much he sold it for. Yeah, it talks about here, uh, about him developing, I think the, the game was Blaster. And basically what he did is he used an IBM PC XT. Remember those? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And he taught himself using Pascal and Turbo C++. And at the age of 13, he created a, a video game named Blaster using 123 lines of basic. Imagine a video <laughs> game... For, with 123 lines that was pretty pretty efficient lines. that was pretty efficient yeah. you know so that was kind of cool i mean that really was really really cool to kind of you know hear about that and then of course you know he decided i think around 17 according to the book that he decides he wants to go to the u.s but he actually can't get to the u.s so he ends up going to canada Right. Uh, right. So yeah, it sure does. Ends up going to Canada. And I can't remember. How did he get to the U.S.? Did he finally get a visa? I can't he remember. He went to work for, uh, he went to work for it at a bank in Canada. That's right. And he, he impressed the president of the bank or something. And so they said, hey, listen, uh, we're going to open up uh, a branch in United States, would you like to go? So that's how he got down in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was, you know, he, he lived in Canada for a while, and his mom and Tosca, and I even believe Kimba also uh, moved over yeah. to Canada. They did. You know. Well, she had, I I believe his mother had Canadian citizenship because her father was Canadian. Her father yeah. and mother, I believe, was Canadian. Yeah. So when the marriage broke up, after a while, she got tired of working. You know, the, the book the book mentions it. His mother just worked eighteen hours a day trying to support him. And yeah, she finally, I think, she finally decided that South Africa wasn't the place to be with the kids, and so she migrated to South Africa. She she migrated back to Canada. 
because she had Canadian citizenship. And then, you know, Elon, he came in and, you know, and uh, he came in on his own, but soon he ran out of money. So he ended up, I think him, his mother and Kimba and Tosca, they all lived in a, a little, what, three-room apartment or one-room apartment or yep. something for a while? Yep. Yeah. And Yeah. And, yeah. And then well, he got of, to be buddy buddies with this bank president. I think he didn't. He did something with the bank. He impressed the bank president, so he sent him to the United States to work. And then, they, then he ended up going to the University of Pennsylvania. Right? He did. He went. Yeah. He went to the, to the University of Pennsylvania. And then somewhere after that, he decides to go west to the Silicon Valley. Yeah, he hopped in a, I think him and Kimba, Kimbo, they, Kimba, they hopped in an old jalopy and with, I don't know, a few dollars in their pocket and headed, and headed to California. Yep. And they one saw of the, the country and headed to California. Yep. And one of the things that he did, according to the chap, chapter nine, was that he used to work for a a small Palo Alto company called Rocket Science, which actually made video games. Uh, yeah. So... When he was at Pennsylvania, though, he had, they were in some kind of a a dorm. They were not in a dorm. They were in a somebody's, one of the guys, one of his friends had a house and it was like, you know, animal house on steroids. Yeah. I think it had a disco, you know, the it was always a, a this was probably be in the early eighties and there was all kinds of parties going on all the time. And his, I think his buddy was, I think his buddy was a, was a physicist or something like engineer too, you know, and they always had some type of a side hustle going on all the time. Right. You know, and then, they went to California and then, you know, and then they started uh, Zip2 Corporation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one yeah. of the things that he talks about, you know, they, there's a section here in, in this chapter that talks about, you know, one of the unfortunate trends, you know, in the 1980s was the desire for everything to be closed, whether it was cars or, or even computers. You know, it was possible to open up and like it says here, it was possible to open up, you know, the uh, and fiddle with the innards of the Apple II that Steve Wozniak sign, uh, designed in the 1980s. But you couldn't do that on the Mac. If you recall, you know, the old Apple II had all these slots, you know, and then when the Mac yeah. came about um, and that was one of the things you could not do. And so. You know, Musk apparently liked not just to fiddle with with uh, hardware, but he also fiddled with software. You know, he could yeah. code, but he had, you know, he had an he had enough knowledge of the physical components, which helped him when it came to understanding battery cells and capacitors and valves and combustion chambers and fuel pumps and. All kinds of stuff. In fact, it talks about him. He had an old BMW that apparently he he spent time revving up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was pretty good at 
at you know tinkering around with things you know so yeah he was at the old the old bmw there's always something going wrong with it and he you know he as a matter of fact you know uh the 40th anniversary of the mac was tuesday i think okay was it and yeah and on mac break weekly the you know um you know they tried to you know, Apple was working on the Lisa, and yes. they wanted to force jobs out. That was in the early 80s. And so they said, okay, we'll give you. But he had enough stock, so they couldn't just fire him. So, you know, he started his own a branch of Apple, and they were working on the Apple SE, something like that, I think. Right, the Mac and SE. The Mac. The Mac. Yeah. And it was it wasn't on the Apple campus; it was somewhere else. And they, you know, they flew a pirate flag over the building, and he assembled all these engineers. And when you know when they built it, all the engineers they signed in the inside of it, yeah, of the Mac, right? Okay. Well, yesterday or on MacBrick Weekly on Tuesday, they had they happened to have a a Mac a Mac, and they opened it up, and all their names were still there, you know. Andy Hirschfield and all the rest of them. Wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah you know. it was. Yeah. Well, one of the things that they developed was um, they developed a pre-maps map software specifically specifically for um, for uh, kind of like the yellow pages, if you recall. For, bank, the book. for banks. For banks. Yeah, for banks. Yeah. It's like a map quest. Do you remember the old map quest on the internet? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it talks about yeah. that. And eventually they founded the company called Zip2, even though Elon didn't like the name. <laughs> Zip2. He always likes the word an X. You know, he always likes the word X. Right. In fact, one of the things that he tried doing back in those days, and I don't know if this was pre-PayPal or after PayPal or during PayPal, was that he wanted to name whatever financial services company that he was trying to put together, um, he wanted to name it X.com. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I don't think he ever got around to do that at that time, but obviously with the purchase of Twitter, uh, things have come full circle, you know, as you know, um, right. You know, uh, Twitter is now officially called X. And one of the things that, you know, Musk has, has said is that, you know, he wants Twitter to be the app of everything, including financial payments, you know? Yeah. So one of the other sections of the book that talks about it quite a bit is, his relationships and, you know, <laughs> especially with, you know, his, the ones that he was married to, as well as the ones that he's just basically hooked up with. And one of the very first uh, loves of his life was uh, somebody named Justine, you right. know, and I believe that he married Justine, correct? He did. Yeah. She had, Set of twins, didn't she have a set of twins by him? I believe so. She met and a set of triplets. She, 
Yeah, they met while they were attending Queen's University in Canada, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember how long they were together. Um, Quite some time. Um, I think, you know, he was in California, and I think she came down to visit him, and, you know, they got along pretty good and everything. And Yeah. And so um, she ended up staying, I think. Yeah. And then, and of course, it talks. Think, yeah. And then, of 2000, course, year 2000 or so, I think. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, it talks a little further about X.com, and he wanted it to be the all in one bank. You know, um, right. You know, we, we take it for granted today, you know, that, you know, we can do all kinds of transactions via our phone. But, you know, there was a time, there was a time a long time ago where that wasn't the case, you know. You, you remember the little, uh, the little, uh, what was it, a key or a padlock? It was a padlock on Netscape. If yeah. the browser was secure. Yeah, had, it's called little, HTTPS. Yeah. yeah, they, you know, they had a little, you know, you could see the on the browser at Netscape, you know. Yeah. On the old Netscape, well, definitely. You know. Yeah, it's it's it. What basically it is, it's called SSL. It's called secure socket layered encryption. And yeah. what ha what happens is when you create a website, um, you have to get a, an SSL certificate so that if there's any kind of private information, uh, whether it's credit card information or even address information, that when the data is keyed into those fields, that is actually encrypted. Because what a lot of people don't realize is the way that data gets transmitted uh, when you click on a button on your phone or a button on a website, it that data is pushed out through the web address bar. And there are commands called, there's two commands that are used, there's only two. One is called get, and one is called put. And get is a query that you can't see it anymore on the address bar. But back in the old days, you could actually see the get and put commands along with the data in the address bar. So anybody that was smart enough, if you keyed in your credit card number into a field on the form, on the web form, you would see it fly across the address bar. But once SSL came into play, what you're talking about, the actual little uh, padlock on the browser, it all became encrypted. Padlock, yeah. Yeah. So you remember back in the day, you remember back in the day on Netscape when you had, you know, Netscape, you had to download the browser, right? Yeah. And when you download the browser, you had all this information you had to fill out that that you wasn't you wasn't a convicted felon. And you lived in the United States and all that kind of stuff. Remember that those crazy days? Yeah. Back in the late nineties, yeah, I yeah. remember that man. I used yeah. to get so mad because you had to fill all this crap out of downloading the browser. Well, I still get upset because you know I don't like to be asked whether I'm a robot or not. And I, I definitely get, yeah. There's a better I, way of doing that. Yeah, and of course I don't like uh, two-factor authentication either. You know. Oh, um, you don't. Well, I think it's a pain in the butt, you know. Mm -hmm. If I'm 
trying to do something quick, I hate having to go to the authenticator, whether it's a Google authenticator or a Microsoft authenticator. Yeah. But I understand the reasoning, you know, I understand the reasoning for it. I mean, I've been hacked so many times and had money swindled so many times. So I know it's necessary. It's just, it's just a pain, especially when you're trying to do something yeah. quick, you know. Trying to, so, somebody trying to sell you Norton antivirus. Right. Well, yeah, 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 I remember those. And of course, you I know. I still get them. I still get, I still get the emails. They, you know, you look at it and I go, well, we're. Charge your account. Well, believe it or not, or something. Believe it or not, I'm still using Windows Defender. I've I've used (laughs) a lot of. (laughs) I've used a lot of others, and I don't think I don't think any of them are any better than anybody else. To be honest with you, you know, I've used Avast. I've used Norton. I've used, you know, McAfee. Remember John McAfee. John um, McAfee. Yeah, I, I've used them all. I've used them all. And quite frankly, I don't think one has an advantage over the other. The one that I won't use, and I don't know if they're still around, is the one by Kapersky. Remember that Russian outfit? I remember that. I remember that. And that they were pretty popular. They were pretty, pretty popular. popular back in those days, you know? So yeah, pretty, pretty popular. Yeah, so pretty it, popular. It it talks about PayPal, and obviously, you know, there was a coup to oust him out of PayPal as well. You know, the the good thing about his PayPal made him a lot of money, made everybody a lot of money, but also too, even with the shakeup, even when they ousted him out, he still kind of remained friends with the founders. Okay, right. and they helped him out in the dark days of Tesla quite a bit. Oh, yeah. 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 And of course, you know, it talks a little bit, you know, they label him the rocket man. Obviously, you know, when he's he he talks about the story about where he decides he wants to get into, you know, the space industry. And he decides that the very first thing he's going to go do is go over to Russia (laughs) And yeah, try to, try to purchase some <laughs> rockets, and they basically yeah. were selling them the rocket. I can't remember what that astronomical figure uh, was. Do you remember what the what what the? I forget what, what it was, but they pretty much you know laughed at him, and you know, yeah, yeah, marched he marched him out. They could get out of here, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, obviously one of the very first rockets that you know he came up with was the falcon one and there's a whole section in the book that talks about the falcon one you know primarily all this all the testing was done over at the marshall islands i believe that the island was yeah marshall islands yeah so um you know there was actually was it two explosions and one success or was it three explosions and one success i can't Uh, remember i think it took you like three times to get it going you yeah, know, the the third time was a charm, I think. Right, I and, think you know, wasn't it? His, his wasn't engine, it the his engineers? Huh? Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead sorry. No, go ahead. His engineers, you know, they lived on this beach. They were actually living just living on the beach. Yeah. There might have been a trailer out there or something, but it was too damn hot to live in the to, to sleep in the trailer. So they just they just slept on the beach, worked yeah. all day, and slept on the beach. You know. 
Well, one of the funny parts was, I don't know if it was prior to the third launch, I guess there was a concern that some of the rocket parts were kind of wet. And he tells his engineers to get get up there with a hairdryer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Get up with a hair dryer and and dry, you know, whatever you've got to dry off. You know, that was kind of incredible. And it said that is something that the folks at Boeing and ULA would have never done. (laughs) No, they would never do anything like that. You know, (laughs) and you've got you've got some experience working for those guys, you know, so. Well, those those aerospace companies, you know, I worked at both Boeing and Northrop. And McDonnell yeah. Douglas, the old McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. And the, the companies are so huge that, you know, that everybody's got their own little thing and, you know, they don't cross that bridge. You know, if you're a manufacturing planner, well, you just worry about the instructions. Okay. Right. And if you're uh, somebody, you know, and you, so you don't worry, you don't worry, but, you know, you, well, somebody, that's not my job. Yeah. Not the case with Musk. Okay. No. You well, know, talk to us. Every, everything. Yeah, since you've you've got quite a an extensive aerospace background, talk to us for the rest of us that don't know a whole lot about what cost plus contracts are. It, it they, he talks a lot about that, by the way, that Musk has never yeah. had a cost plus contract. So for for those of us that are unfamiliar with what those contracts are, what is a cost plus contract? Well, it it came in in World War Two. Yeah, and and the reason why it came in World War II is so the government could keep an eye on contractors, so the government would you know, let's say let's say we're making the B seventeen bomber, well the B seventeen a Boeing would go to the government and says okay, uh, we'll sell you this airplane for X amount of money, but then if there's anything else that you want done to it, you would have to pay for it. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, what would happen is that, you know, that's, this is where you get the, you know, when you work on these government contracts like, like that, there's always something that has to be added on to something, you know, onto an airplane. Right. Okay, like, you know, it may be designed without a toilet and they go, oh yeah, we forgot to put that in. So you put that in or, uh, or something else. Okay. There's always something going on. And so they just kept on adding the cost on. Yeah. You know, because, you know, in in government contracts, it goes to the lowest bidder. Oh, okay? is that the so, way it works? But, yeah, it goes to the lowest bidder. But then, you know, they cut their margins down real low, but then they turn around and, uh, you know, in order for the companies to make money, well, then they start adding stuff on. Right. Right. Well, and one of the was, things there that... Was a lot of, a lot of that, I think a lot of that might have been caused by Harry Truman because when he was, when Harry Truman was, um, that's where he got his name as a senator from Missouri is that he was on that board that overseed government contracts. And he was right. always trying to save a buck, but then it ended up costing everybody the money in the long run. You know what I mean? And, well, one of one of the things well, that Musk mentions is, you know, when it comes to cost plus contracts, is that it basically stiffens, uh, sti- uh, stiffen or stiffens innovation. That exactly. it actually it actually doesn't provide 
um, an incentive for the job to be completed. That you get paid. It just goes really on for, and on and on. It just goes on. It's kind of like our Texas Highway Street repair here. You know how how long have they been working on the freeway in McAllen? Probably as long well, as they you've finally been here. opened up the Edinburgh one. Well, it is, but they'll probably close it down eventually again for something yeah. else. You know, but so there's no incentive you know, for for completion, and I think that's one of the things that he said was that the the way the normal aerospace companies, the regular aerospace companies worked, I mean, they had cost overruns over budget. I mean, the prime example obviously was, you know, the B two uh, moon. Well, the B two, but the moon rocket program. I mean, it went through they this didn't administration. Have a that 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 basically did not have a budget. You know the yeah. the you know the moonshot. You know, but you know the program that I I'm more familiar with, like the B two. That's how I got mushroomed all the way up to forty four and a half billion dollars. Yeah. Okay. For the, and that we then we ran out of money. Yeah. Okay? And so and I think only what twenty one B twos were built in total. Yeah, they're like a, like a billion and a half a piece. I think. I think the original plan was to have like over a hundred and no, 600. Oh, 600. Okay. Yeah. When I hired on at Northrop in January, in December of in January of 87, I remember walking in the lobby in Pico Rivera and there was a big deal. And it said 600 bombers. Wow. Okay. Then they, you know, then they narrowed it down to 300 and then they had it narrowed it down to 75 and then they narrowed it down to 21 okay yeah well definitely what musk did is basically you know said that you know spacex was going to do government work for fixed prices and they would only and they would only get paid if and when they delivered on the milestones something completely different the way it normally well, works yeah, that's kind of true, but I remember on the B2 is that on the various stations of production. Yeah. Okay. We had stations and you know, like for example, 1500, 1600 and all that. And okay, each station, you know, one station would put the wings on the airplane and the next station would do something else and the next station would do something else. Well, every time they were they were always pushing us at Northrop to get the airplane done so they could get paid for it. Uh, so there, yeah, there, there's milestones they get paid for. Yeah. And Chris, so when you do first flight, you know, you get a big paycheck then, but you know, I mean, yeah, I can see where, but one of the biggest problems they've, they've got with aerospace and some of these government contracts is that early sixties, they started this deal. They were building these huge nuclear submarines, you know? Yeah. And they couldn't afford to build too many of them, but they still wanted to keep the technology alive. So what they would do is they just drag out the program. Right. Okay. And they would just, you know, instead of buying, you know, two or three submarines every year, they would only build up one over five years. And that kept all the people working and the technology there. Because right. they had to keep the industrial, you know, the industrial base alive. That's what they did with the B two, and that's right. what they're you know that's what they do now with fighter planes. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that Tesla actually existed slightly before Musk. Uh, 
it was actually founded by uh, two individuals. One was, and chapter 20 talks about that. Yeah. It was Jeffrey Brian Straubel, known as JB, and I can't remember. And it was another guy called Rosen. Uh, right. Who worked for Hughes Aircraft at the time. And they actually were the ones that actually started the Tesla company initially. And then uh, Musk obviously, uh, you know, came on board and provided funding, you know. So, right. you know, that was one of the things. And one of the very first cars that, that they came up with was something called the Roadster. Yeah. And there's a picture of that right here on this page. And uh, that was that was pretty cool. That was, I think, one of the very first electric cars, if not the first electric car, you know. Uh, in modern times, you know, there were some modern electric times. cars. Around the, yeah, around the turn of the century, there were some electric cars. Yeah, in fact, I've seen I've seen pictures of electric cars at the turn at the turn of the last century. I think you if know? you watch Jay Leno's garage, I think he's got a couple electric cars in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, one of the also things got some steam cars too, but one of the things that we mentioned is Musk's obsession, obviously, with manufacturing. You know, and a lot of that, especially metals, especially metals, especially metals. Especially metals. Yeah. There was a lot of times I'm jumping, I'm fast forwarding, obviously, for the sake of time. But one of the things is his obsession with manufacturing and manufacturing processes, and his belief that you know. To delete, 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 delete. <laughs> you know. Well, and... engineers have a tendency to overbuild, okay? Yeah. And so I can, you know, I can tell you stories that you, the company that we used to work for, <laughs> okay, and we were only making something small for the car that goes like this. Yeah. And um, there was all kinds of crazy stuff that the, the engineers always wanted to do, okay? Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and that's how they eventually, you know, you know, they, they changed it, you know, and we were always going back and forth on what they, what they wanted, you know, rare, in, you know, rare indicators and beams and just all kinds of crazy stuff. So engineers, historically, they always want to make it, they always want to add stuff on, make it better. Right. And they always want to use the best material, you know, and, you know, and um, Musk isn't like that. You know, he's in love with stainless steel. You know, he's, you know, and that's why all the rockets are stainless steel. Right. You look at that rocket design he has at SpaceX. It, you can watch you can watch uh the other night i was watching a old 1950 movie you know uh uh a flying saucer movie you know you know it they the rocket ship or the thing was called the trip to trip to mars or something like that right it looks like a spacex rocket now that was right. back in the 50s yeah well, they show the, the rocket you know I, I get a bang out of these movies because they show the rocket and it looks like a spacex rocket but in the but when it takes off it's a V a V two rocket the Germans did in World War Two. Oh wow! So they're using file footage. They're using file footage. What they're doing? Okay. Yeah. 
you know, because, you know, they had Operation Paperclip going on in New Mexico after the war, and they still had some V-2 rockets, and they filmed that, and they always dubbed that in there on the, well, the early the, 1950s science fiction movies. Well, one of the things that the book talks about is, you know, so many times that Musk actually sleeps on the factory floor at Tesla. Yeah. I mean, imagine a uh, a PJ doing something like that at our former employer. Are you kidding? No, he would never do that. No, he would never do that. Yeah, you know, some of the old aerospace engineers, you know, like Jack Northrup. Yeah. Okay. Or Curtis Wright. I see Curtsy. There's a guy named Curtis. Later founded Curtis Wright. Okay, they would they would sleep on the factory floor or whatever. You know, or the old, you know, the guy that founded McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. You know, McDonald and Douglas too. They would do that. But I mean, you know, it's just, you know, I don't know if you remember this. The, 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 there's a movie that reminds me a lot of Elon Musk. And it was a movie back made about 1962, 1963. And it was called The Carpet Baggers. And it was a, uh, made from a book by Harold Robbins. Uh-huh. Okay. And George Prepar played this uh guy like Elon Musk. And he was into and he was into aerospace. I mean he started out in firearms. He started his dad was a firearm guy and he, he started out in firearms and then he moved into aerospace. He's always doing airplanes and stuff in the movie and then he and then he got into actually making movies sort of like a Howard Hughes type yeah okay yeah because Howard Hughes that's how he started with tooling his right. dad was a, was a Hughes tool company that's right and then they got Out in of he got into aerospace and then he got into movies then he got into gambling casino yep. you know yeah. and Elon Musk I think fits that fits that style because you know you should watch it sometime. George Rapar's in it and Carol Baker and Alan Ladd's in it too. And in it I think it fits Musk completely. He was always going through a lot of women too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, well, yeah. Howard yeah, Hughes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and and his name was Jonas Jonas Car Jonas Cord in the movie, and he was always sleeping on the factory floor, you know, working with the engineers and stuff like that. So well, one of the things yeah. that surprised me was that Musk wanted, I think it was with the Model Y, I think it was with the Model Y of the Tesla, but he actually promised uh, investors. And by the way, uh, Tesla is the only publicly held company or has some publicly held stock. All the other space, all the other companies, including SpaceX, are completely private. So private. Tesla's yeah. Tesla's the only one that is a little different. But one of the things that Musk promised that there was going to be what three thousand cars was it a cars a week or a month? I can't believe it. I can't believe what the the number was. I think it was and, a million. I think originally it was like a million cars a year. It came out to thirty thousand cars a month or something like that. Right. And of and course, now he's up to he's right now he's making two million. Right. And he was concerned. And I saw the other day, yeah, I saw the other day that they want to come out with a cheaper model that sells for around thirty-five thousand and thirty thousand. And he wants, you know, and of course, so he's wanting twenty-five percent 
control of the company now too. I think he wants to take the company private. Matter of fact, he got right. in trouble a few years ago, if you recall, on over the SEC over that because he said he wanted to take Tesla private. Right. And he got fined like a a zillion dollars on that. Yeah. And so yeah. Well, one of the things he had concerns about meeting his original goal, and part partly it was because he didn't have enough manufacturing space. And so he was getting a lot of he was having a lot of hell from California and all the woke folks in California, and they weren't being very cooperative with regards to potentially other sites. So one of the things he decided to do was he decided to actually build tents, tents to actually continue the manufacturing, you know. Went, Which went, he did went here back originally. To the good old U.S. Army. That's what the U.S. Army, that's what the Romans did. Yeah. You know, thousands of years ago. Right. And, you know, you go with tents, you know. You know, that factory in uh, California, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but that was a joint venture years ago between GM and Toyota. That's right. In fact, one of the and, very first cars that came out of that plant was the 1980s Nova, not the seventies Nova, but the 1980s Nova. In fact, it was, uh, yeah. an identical to a Toyota Corolla, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they could, and that was like, that was a union shop in California and they were always kind of, you know, they couldn't compete because the yeah. labor rates in California was so high. You know, finally they they tried like a Dickens years and years and years, and finally they I think they just gave up. Yeah. And then you know the the building was empty, yeah. and they took it over. You know. Yeah. But you know, I you know I think I told you you know I went to a Tesla dealership here in Brownsville today, yeah. and there was a Model Y that I looked at. I thought I was going to. I thought the Model Y. I thought that you know the the interior was. I was kind of disappointed on the interior, because yeah. I thought it was going to have the steering wheel. You know the Looks like a, a airplane steering wheel, you know. Right. What did it a have? Half steering wheel. It, it, now I had a full steering wheel. Okay. And the interior was kind of bland. It did have like an iPad in the middle of it. Right. And all that kind of stuff. But right. You know, if you if you remember the old uh, TV show Silicon Spin on HBO, you know, and uh, they said, yeah, "I want a car that has uh, doors that go up like this." Right. You know, like the old DeLoreans, you know, that was kind of a joke in the in the TV show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, give me a car that I want the doors to go up like this instead of like like that. I want them going like that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the other Tesla, I think the Tesla X, that's what they, I think that's what the, they have. Because Leo Laporte had a Tesla X, I think it is. Uh-huh. And his doors went up like that, you know? Well, but, one of the things that I know. wanted to touch on a little bit was and i mean there's a lot in this book i mean it goes from tesla to the boring company to his uh, investment in solar uh roofing with his cousins and the fact he let his him getting on the roof and working all night on top of the solar roofs yeah i mean there's all there's all kinds of stuff including you know the starship launches but one of the things that caught my attention was with regards to Twitter or X. And as of course, you know, that that was an on and off thing for a couple of months. And the way, you know, uh, Mr. Musk uh, kind of makes it 
appears that at the end he was kind of forced to have to buy Twitter, even if he really was having second and third thoughts about it. Yeah. But one of the things that fascinates me and caught my attention quite a bit, because it did bring some memories for those of us in the IT industry, is, you know, after he took over Twitter, there was a hosting company that hosted their servers. Most companies today now host their own, they don't host their own servers anymore. Everything is done either by Amazon or by Microsoft's Azure. It's very rare now that companies have their own mm -hmm. servers in-house. It's just too costly. So that was the issue after after Musk, um, uh, after Musk took over Twitter, the ex there was extensive cost in with this hosting company. And pretty much from one minute to the next, you know, Musk ordered his people to go over to the hosting company and to pull all those servers out. Because one of the things that Musk believes in to this day is that it's better to manufacture and control as much of it as you can so you don't have to rely on suppliers and all kinds of issues. So he basically, yeah. but they were giving him, they were telling him that it was impossible to rip these servers out of the data center. So he literally went, pulled out a floorboard under the data center with a pocket knife and basically went down there and said, told the uh, engineers, doesn't look like it's a big problem. He unplugged one of the servers and said, if I can do this, move the rest of them. And they did. They went out and yanked all the servers uh, they went out to Home Depot and bought all kinds of uh, tie, uh, you know, those those tie thingamajigs. Uh, they even went to an Apple store, by the way. The book talks about where they bought yeah. the entire supply of AirTags to put on these servers as they were being transported. I can't remember if it was to Seattle or where they were headed, but they literally used AirTags to track these servers as they were being transported, you know, uh, you know, up north. Well, you know, you know, Apple's the same way, you know. I mean, you know, they have their own operating system. They have their own hardware. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people argue the reason why Apple's been so successful because of their operating system yeah. and their soft and their hardware. They 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 control. They they have their own. They have their own browser. Yeah. Okay. Um, they even make their own electricity, you know, with all these solar farms and stuff like that and their own paper for their own boxes. Right. And cause they have tree farms all over the place and they make the, and the, one of the biggest deals is they got tired of messing around with Intel on the chips. So they come up with the Silicon chip and it revolutionary it re revolutionized the computer industry. Well, one of the things you know? that Elon uh, was concerned about when it comes to Apple was with regards to the payments system, you know, and one of the things was that there was a concern that Apple was going to yank out the Twitter app out of the, uh, out of the app store. And he actually went and visited Tim Cook and got reassured. Yeah. yeah, I called him up. He went over to Apple headquarters and uh, they had a, quite an extensive talk about supply chain 
in general, supply chain issues, since, you know, that's, you know, Tim Apple's favorite topic to talk about. Favorite topic. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that he didn't push and wasn't, I don't think it's been addressed yet, is the 30% um, charge that Apple currently charges for apps. You know, it's when you buy an app. When you sell an app, when an app developer sells an app, um, there's a charge, like a 30% charge. And then the other issue was that, you know, when it came to credit card privacy, Apple did not relent on providing that level of information over to right to right. Uh, Twitter yeah. or X. It's still unresolved at this point. Yeah, that. that- you know that thirty percent deal. You know there, there's a European court case that Apple pretty much lost. That and pretty and I think it's going to happen in the United States that you can sideload your apps on iOS. But um, well, you can do that see, on Twitter, Android, right? Yeah, but on Android, Twitter. Nobody that. buys a nobody buys a Twitter app though. It's a free download. No, yeah, I don't. I think there was there was a concern about the. Um, the credit card processing fees and so forth. I think that's what they, the they don't want to give the information out because right. that was a big deal. Is that you? You know these companies they want your credit card so they, you know they they want to know where Danny lives and how much right. money he makes and you right. know and what you know, what does he buy and all that. I mean that happens to me all the time. I just I'll her and I we'll just be talking about something in a conversation. And all of a sudden, here comes the text messages and the emails. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's getting so now, Danny, that I just log on my computer and I cannot even be on an e-bike site, not even close to it. And I start getting emails or text messages from e-bike people, yeah. the manufacturers. And that's because they know when I'm on. Yeah. And that's the thing, yeah. you know. There's a whole, you know, Musk uh, apparently had has and has had concerns about what is deemed to be artificial intelligence you know uh yeah we know, need to talk about that a little bit about his robot about the uh, earl what is it called earl leak op, it's optimus the optimus yeah uh, what's his what's his program um uh it's called um neuralink okay neuralink well that that is the company that is neuralink. the company yeah Neuralink is the company where they plant to embed computer chips into the brain and primarily focus on restoring sight and potentially severed uh, spinal injuries so that those individuals that have never been able to walk in their life or they had an accident, uh, that they will be able to symbiotically, uh, you know, communicate with the appendages that are not working to make a person walk or see or even hear. In fact, I was yeah. quite surprised to find in the book a reference to where Musk says that out of all out of the three or four things that he's mentioned where Neuralink would actually uh work that he says that vis- vision-wise that with the right technology that sight could be restored even better in some cases even even better yeah even better They've and got, you know he thinks yeah. his robot 
technology. He thinks it's going to be bigger than Tesla ever, you know, ever, ever had been. Because yeah. he thinks he can put out like, I don't know, was it like 30 million robots? You're right. And his robots, you know, you've seen his robots, you know, they've got the, you know, they got the finger deal going on, you know, where they can right. actually pick up stuff. And, well, there's a video on YouTube that shows a, one of his robots folding clothes. Yes. Okay. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And then, yep. you know, and, you know, he thinks that everybody's going to have their own little robot. I think they're going to, you know, right now, I think you can buy one for like $20,000. Yeah. But if you got all kinds of money, I mean, hey, it's 20, you know, $20,000 isn't nothing, you know, really. I well, mean, that's, the... that's what some people pay for home health care in a yeah. year. Well, one of the things that he talks about is that he basically wants to uh, have a hand in developing artificial intelligence to ensure that we never get to a point that artificial intelligence takes over humans. Yeah. You know, and because really what you're doing in artificial intelligence, I kind of joke around and say that artificial intelligence is basically teaching the non-intelligent to be intelligent. And that's what it really boils down to. I mean, a perfect example he talks about is there's a section of the chapter that talks about the self-autonomous car and the fact that he turned it on one day. I I don't know who he was. uh, I don't know if he was driving Ellison around, Larry Ellison from Oracle. I I can't remember who it was. It was some bigwig. And he turns the self-autonomous car on, and the thing actually works. And one of the biggest issues with self-autonomy driving that he had with his engineers is there was a faction of engineers that actually believed that the best way to train a vehicle to self-drive was through the use of the of the LiDAR radar. And by the way, that LiDAR radar is prevalent in my Toyota as well as my wife's it has uh it works with cruise control to determine when to accelerate and decelerate depending on what vehicle it sees in but, front but but Musk doesn't use that though right Musk did not want did, it, did not want he wanted cameras cameras exactly cameras and the the YouTubes that I've been on YouTube there's a channel and that's what they're doing. They're driving. It's a, a guy in San Francisco. He's driving. Well, Marquise Brownlee, a guy on a guy on YouTube. Okay, yeah. he's got a Tesla, and he's got the beta software in his Tesla. And he did an hour deal on on the self driving feature. And he lives in New Jersey, and he was skipping. You know, he was going in and out of traffic on turnpikes and all kinds of stuff. And this dude on this other dude on YouTube, you know, he gets in his car and it runs all over San Francisco at night, you know, and you can see the screen where there's a guy on a bike or a pedestrian or something like that, all with cameras. Yeah. So I think maybe, you know, okay, you know, like, you know, robot places like, you know, Boston Dynamics, okay, they use more or less like machine learning. Right. machine language learning on there and you know they you've seen their videos everybody's seen the videos they jump up and down and right and all that musk robot musk is androids or robots they really don't 
he really doesn't show that. They do actual task. Right. And, one of the, and the big deal because they have they can do the fingers and the hand actuation like that. They can actually pick up stuff. Right. You know. Right. Or yeah. write a sentence or something like that. So. Yeah. No, but a self-driving car, I I think we're really close. They have to change a few laws, but. You know, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've seen uh, videos also of self-driving 18-wheelers out there. Yeah, you know? and so, you know, I was telling Evelyn about it today, you know, and I said, well, pretty soon, you know, one of the things Musk wants to do is he wants to have Johnny Cabs. And yeah. you, if you remember Johnny Cab from the old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he's in on Mars and he gets in a cab and there's a little... There's a guy with a little bus station. He's, oh, I'm Johnny. I'm Johnny Cab, you know, and his head goes around in a circle and stuff. You remember that scene? Right. Total recall. To yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's basically what he wants. But see, the book says, hey, you know, we don't need to put muskets. We don't need to put steering wheels in. But his engineer says, uh, no, you got to have a steering wheel in. Yeah. Well, we'll make them real small. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that was that was a, a a piece in the book where I think he was he was uh, running around town with I can't remember who it was, and he literally basically turns, disables the steering wheel and the car drives itself, including avoiding cyclists and stuff like that. You know, oh, yeah, so, I think I think the technology is there. Yeah, I, I mean, know, I just, really um... look forward to the day that you know I'm I'm in my early 50s you know and i hope to god by the time i get to be 70 that we have self autonomous cars on the road because that means that i don't have to worry about having a license anymore i just hop no. in and tell my tesla where to go and, and what to do and, and and not only that the book mentions that okay is that you could buy a self-driving car okay and you could go you know it takes you to work every day and drops you off, and the car can be working and doing a, like Uber or right. Lyft or something like that while you're at work, and the, the car just comes by and picks you up when it's time to go home. Yeah, exactly. Okay? So you're making money off the off the car all day long because the car is just going around and picking up pe different people all around and then charging the money, so you're actually making money for having now that car. Now, hopefully, yeah. self-autonomous cars will lead to cheaper auto insurance rates. That would be great. That would be great. I won't hold my breath, though. <laughs> no, they'll figure out a they'll figure out a way to rape you somehow. Yeah, just like your house insurance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. no doubt about that. You know, they'll find a way that's to. A, that's a. Yeah, they're. Yeah, insurance used to be pretty cheap, but not anymore. It's it's gotten really really expensive yeah blame it on covid yeah well one of the things that you know we didn't touch on but i know it's something that was talked about quite a bit was you know musk's uh belief that you know you if you're not working late you're not working hard enough you know there's the story yeah. about you know uh obviously with twitter Right. And a lot of the layoffs that happened there. But there was also a few Starbase shakeups as well. You know, there is a story sure. about, and, you know, and you and I know a couple people that we used to work with. And we're not going to mention any names, but <laughs> we are. 
I, we are baffled the reason how they're still working there. It's well, I'm telling you that the the book talks about uh, one of the individuals that was in charge. I can't remember what he was in charge of, but he was down at the launch pad one night and Musk decides to go down there and he only sees two employees working. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, basically rakes him through the coals and says, hey, where's everybody? You know, what the heck's going on? And, yeah. uh, you know, that was the first and last time you had people down there at the launch pad just, you know, <laughs> sitting on their hands, you know. Yeah. But, uh, hey, you know, I, that... I, you know I, I know th those aerospace programs like that. When you have a mission, even even as big as Northrop was, okay, mm -hmm. on the B two program, yeah. I mean, we put in, I put in, tons and tons of you know eighteen hour days, seven days a week, okay. I didn't see my kids, you know, grow up and stuff, because you know we had a mission and we had to put the, we had to put an airplane up in the air. It right. takes a lot out of you, and yeah. me being an old man now, seventy years old. You know, I don't know if I could handle that out of SpaceX, working all those hours <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, well, I have some neighbors here in Rancho, and they are you know, they work a lot of hours out there, and, they, and he expects them to. Well, you, you know, know, I can I can, I can, can understand that level of thinking. You know, I had an opportunity after I left our previous employer to actually manage uh, once again, and I ended up managing – a different generation altogether than the first time around that I managed uh, an IT group, uh, you know, in the in the 90s. And this was primarily dealing with millennials and Gen Zers. And I will say that they have a different work ethic than your Gen Xers and even your baby boomers of yesteryear. I mean, I'm a Gen yeah. Xer. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, you basically bust your balls until you get the job done but this well, i'm a baby boomer and we did too you know i mean you know you know but this uh, these we were... gen zers and these millennials they have a whole different worth that ethic and there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of culture clash between gen xers and millennials and gen zers because they want to work as little as possible as little as possible they want to have yeah. work and life balance and I'm not saying that, you know, you should work yourself to death. That's not what I'm saying. But literally, you know, that was a problem. And and and, and I believe that that's was the biggest culture clash that Mul that Musk had at Twitter. You had all these millennials and Gen Zers out there, you know, who were used to eating vegan plates and tofu for free and God knows what else down there. <laughs> yeah. You know, different kinds of waters. And here comes Musk and saying, we're taking all that crap out. We're not having these, uh, what, what, what was what the book talk about where at Twitter, well, they walked had... in with a sink, you know, you right. walked in Twitter with a sink, right? Right. Let that sink in. Yeah. Let that sink in. But the thing was that they had these days where if you didn't feel like going to work, you didn't have to. They were sanctioned yeah. days. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All that ended. All, all that, that ended. ended at Twitter. But it was a culture clash. And it is a culture yeah. clash between the, the the boomers and the Xers and the Gen Zers, the millennials to this day. And I found it very difficult for me personally as a manager 
to deal with that culture, what I consider to be a culture war, you know, and a work ethic. I, yeah, I, I think I think he, the people he's got a SpaceX, they're pretty much gung ho out there. I think. Oh yeah. There might be a yeah. few exceptions, but I think there a, a lot of SpaceX people are local. Yeah. Okay, and and um, I think they're happy that they have a decent paying job. Yeah. Instead of working at some warehouse, you know. Right. Well, there's and, no doubt uh, about about that, you know. But those folks at Twitter, I mean, they were just spoiled. That's what it boiled down to. Oh yeah, yeah. All that that added, you know, that environment they were in at Twitter. I mean, that they were just spoiled. It's just you know, he well, had only- all those engineers and. They didn't really do anything. I mean, you know, they never never came out with any new products or, you know, Twitter has never been uh, considered a a money making proposition. Right. Okay. It was this potential. Well, you even, know, even the the worst part of it all is how much of the woke movement was in entwined within Twitter. They even had shops with. Uh, what was it? Uh, Keep woke alive T-shirts. I mean, these people oh, were yeah. politically charged. Yeah. I mean, they were politically. You know, charged. probably during you know, like during Burning Man, they probably didn't have anybody, hardly anybody there, probably. You know, and yeah. um, you know, they just you know, Twitter. You know, they a lot of people worked from home. You know, yeah. the pandemic. Well, they just gave them a reason to stay home, and that's what they did. And you know, well, one of the things. Know, That was kind of ironic. One of the things that was kind of ironic, Doug, was the fact that these people at Twitter were actually supposedly uh, doing censorship. I mean, they were literally censoring people. People for their political views, especially if you had conservative views. Exactly. They censored a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, there was... It just wasn't Trump, by the way. Yeah, Musk got a hold of... uh, a guy named Matt Talibi, yeah. that he's not conservative. Okay, man, he voted. He and you know he's a he's a liberal, and he voted Democrat each time. You know, yeah. And he spilled all the. He went through all the Twitter files, and he they dumped it on, on in Twitter. You know. Yeah, and it just wasn't Trump, by the way. Trump wasn't the only account that got suspended. A lot of people's accounts got no. got got I had, suspended. I had a laugh. Uh, I was watching a little bit of Cat Turd. Cat Turd was on with Tucker Carlson the other day. Uh huh. You have you heard of Cat Turd before? No. He got suspended by Twitter. He was in Twitter jail for a while. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he said, you know, he was talking to and. He says, hey, this is my first time I've ever been on camera, he yeah. says. And and he was talking to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was talking to him about, you know, how he got suspended on Twitter and stuff like that, you know. But, yeah, it was a – Cat Turd was a big – he was always – Cat Turd was always going after somebody. Yeah. You know. And I um, mean, so the, the environment so, that he stepped into was pretty inf- – Infectious when it came to wokeness and when it came to yeah. censorship and and you know now sure. the only one that I think deserved complete banning and censorship was Kanye West. I mean, we all know that his Hitler comments were outrageous, <laughs> and yeah. I don't yeah, think anybody in their right mind would want to have his account restored. But uh, Alex there... Jones, I I can see how Alex Jones, but you know, I mean, there's some. 
there are some people out there that, you know, like Len Beck, for example, he doesn't think that, uh, you know, he doesn't believe what Alex Jones said, doesn't, doesn't believe anything, but he believes that he had the right to say it. Yeah. Free speech, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, we obviously, you know, there's things that, you know, need to be controlled, you know, especially, you know, if somebody's out there, you know, trying to convince people to read Hitler's manifesto. What was it? The Mein Kampf, the manifesto. Uh, yeah, my struggle. Yeah, Mein yeah. Kampf. Mein Kampf and stuff. I don't like think that. you can even buy. I don't think you can even buy that book anymore. I tried buying it the other day on Amazon. Yeah, I was going to read it. You know, see how stupid it is. And <laughs> and well, what do you think, think about the relationship think. between Musk and Jeff Bezos? Seems to be somewhat a little bit of a competition, but admiration. It's at a the competition. Same time. It's a competition. They're, they're two different characters. You know, Jeff Bezos is kind of, you know, he's uh, very, you know, very steady. He, he He's an engineer. He likes to work in a workflow, kind of a process. Right. You know, step by step by step by step where Musk is, just, you know, you know, now let's hurry up. Let's get it done. Right. Okay? Delete, and, delete it if you have to. And who made the requirements was the other thing. Was his other phrase? Yeah, you know who made yeah, the requirements. Yeah, he made the requirements. Yeah, yeah. I got to bang out of you know Musk is he's got all these billions of dollars and you know when he has to go up to Austin or somewhere you know he sold all his property right right he sold all his houses he lives out in a Boca Chica Beach on a little what two bedroom apartment out there right two little it's only like house, a forty five thousand dollar house right yeah and then but when he goes everywhere else he always stays with a friend. He goes right. up, you know, there's a place up in Austin. He always stays with him, you know, but you know, his friends, oh, I mean, they've got, you know, their guest houses. Right. Much larger than our houses are. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And more fancier, but you know, well, I just got a bang that you'd think he'd have a house in Austin by now. Well, whatever, he almost you know? did. Remember he hired, yeah. he hired the architect that designed the Apple spaceship headquarters. Yeah. yeah he but did. After I can't remember all the reasons he decided not to do it, but he finally yeah. decided not to build it after all. And you're right. He actually stays with friends. You know, his mother, I believe, yeah. when she's come down here, down to Boca Chica, actually stays in a converted garage into a bedroom kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, May Musk has said she has no issue with it because in South Africa, they it, it was not it was not an uncommon thing. An, an, an uncommon thing for them to sleep out there where the lions were at. <laughs> yeah, not a con. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this recently too about the hovercraft. You know, he's got a bunch of people that is living on the island, right? Yeah, and they they have two hovercrafts that go back and forth. Yeah, carrying people from Padre over to the SpaceX. Yeah, yeah, okay. and yeah, it's just so, it's I mean, just. Uh... Yeah. I'm it's just, just a, I'm just concerned that one of these days, a guy like Musk, you know, he travels all the time in airplanes and stuff that always in a hurry or a helicopter, that there's going to be a plane crash. Well, and, what do you think about the story? And it's in the book towards the end of the book where remember that guy that was tracking his uh, jet airplane? Yeah, I remember that. Remember guy, that? Yeah. And apparently this, as the story goes, uh, somebody out in California apparently was using this app or this service 
to track where Elon Musk's house was. And in fact, he and Little X uh, jumped in the car one evening and were actually blockaded or something like that by some guy in, dressed up in all black in a ninja suit. Yeah. And uh, shortly thereafter, they quit tracking his jet. Now, I've seen a few postings once in a while on Facebook where I see people report he's taken off or he's leaving from Brownsville. But I thought the app was banned. You know, I didn't know. You, I think it was, I, too. I think the FAA, they banned it or they did something with it. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, uh, you know, you can literally go on. One, I think but once you get the tail numbers, though, I mean, you know, once you get the tail numbers, you know, you can pretty much follow anybody, right? Well, yeah. But, in fact, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was an airplane crash somewhere in Mexico and uh, these group of people actually died and they were kind of they're related to some some politicians in Mexico. But I was kind of the, yeah. the plane left Brownsville, by the way, it left Brownsville. Stopped at Monterrey. Oh, I didn't know then, that. Yeah, and then the plane crashed somewhere between Monterrey and another location. Well, you can literally go on the FAA website, and you're right. You key in the tail number, and you will get all the information of the airplane, including who owned it, when, and where. Yeah. It's totally amazing. Does he, does he fly out of Brownsville Airport, or does he fly – does he have an air – no, he flies out of Brownsville. There. No, he flies out of Brownsville. Yeah. You there? Is he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm surprised he does. Yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't have an airstrip out there. Well, I don't know if there's hmm. solid land out there enough to build one, you know. I don't know. Well, he just, you know, he just make a, get hold of a couple of Chinese engineers and they, they can make an island out in the middle of pacific ocean i guess they can make one for him right right yeah all righty doug well but it yeah spacex you know space you know the book you know for those people that are watching you know it, the book goes in some detail about what's going on at boca chica beach correct i thought that was interesting yeah and um you know it's uh it's a pretty neat book uh, and I, the author Isaacson, he actually spent like two years with, with off yeah. and on with Musk walking yeah. around with him, you know? And so that's kind of cool. Uh, he spent, you know, he spent some time with Steve Jobs before he died, but not that much time. Right. Cause Jobs went pretty quick, but you know, but no. And then, you know, he talked about little X, you know, playing around, you know, he takes right little X there at the boardroom meetings and stuff like that, you know? It was a very, and, very, uh, it is a very, very well-written book. It definitely doesn't uh, gloss over any bad stuff. And there was a mm -hmm. lot of things, obviously, throughout his life that he experienced. And, and that is one of the nice things about this book is you get a pretty good feel for, for the man from the very beginning to what it is now. I mean... Obviously, yeah. you know, people have different opinions of him and and his antics and stuff like that. And, you know, and he's, um, and he's you know, he's, he's quite awesome with his family, his uh, his yeah. children. He's got 10 kids. Yeah. OK. He's got a set of he's got a set of twins and a set of right. triplets. Yeah. He's got an autistic boy. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, he's one of the autistic boys. You know, when they were trying to figure out the design on the Tesla truck, you know, when he, didn't he say, he says, uh, well, if you're talking to, you, you know, the, this autistic son said, well, if you're talking about the future, why don't you make it look like the future, right? Yeah. 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 And he's got a transgender son. Right. Okay. Right. That he is, you know, every, every family's got a horse. As Dave Ramsey would say, every, every family has got a horse thief in it along yeah. the way somewhere. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, he's estranged to his transgender son, even though he's reached out to him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the book, often... the book definitely doesn't, doesn't hide anything. And that's one of the most interesting things yeah. about how well this book is written. I mean, it is 615 pages. There's no doubt that it's a lengthy book, but you've read lar uh, a longer books than this one for sure. But uh, it's definitely worth reading. It may not change anybody's mind in the end. You know, I think when it comes to the pro-Musk people and the anti-Musk people, they're pretty much dead set on each side. And there's very little to sway them one way or the other. You know, so, yep. but I think it's an enjoyable book that everybody should read. It was on sale uh, a couple of weeks ago for $17. I don't remember how much you paid for your copy, Doug, but I was. I paid 17 for mine. 17 Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I bought the hardback and I also did yeah. the Audible too. Yeah. I've got, I've got the hardback. That's what I've got. Yeah. Uh, uh, I really yeah. honestly have and, not gotten into Audible yet. But. Yeah, I'm 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 in Audible quite a bit, because you know I can get there, you know when I'm riding my bike, you know by myself, you know I just put the AirPods in and I'll ride for two hours, you know, and I go through the, you know I I listen to the book, or when we go to bed at night, okay, and and she enjoyed it too, okay, and I had it, she I said I'm gonna play my book tonight, she's okay. And so, you know, it got to a point that she actually asked me, asked me to play it. Usually right. she listens to her stuff, you know. Right. And, you know, she doesn't she doesn't want to care about Joseph Stalin, okay? <laughs> I understand that. Okay. And, but, you know, there were some stories in the Musk book that she actually enjoyed. She thought it was very enjoyable. Yeah. It, so was, very, a, yeah. it, was, it was a very enjoyable book. And, you know, because for me... When I have seen an individual so much, as much as I've seen Musk throughout the years, you know, um, I can say that when I was reading this book and when it came to his speaking within the book, it almost felt like he was reading to me from the yeah. book, yeah. you know. And so it was very enjoyable from that standpoint, you know, but it also brought back a lot of memories for me with regards to the technology field and the early days of programming. And it's definitely a worth, a worth a book getting and reading. And uh, whether you're a Musk fan or, or not, I think it's a, it's a great book. And Isaacson did a well, fantastic yeah, job. We, we all know he's going to be going to Mars. Okay. One way or the other. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's the going to Mars. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's got, the technology, you know, just look at the record of SpaceX. Yeah. You know, all, you know, I mean, what they got like two, they're going to start doing two a day. Right. Okay. And then, you know, 
200 or 300 recoverable first stages, you know? Right. And, you know, and just look what they're doing to them. You know, just watch YouTube on Sunday mornings, Lab Padre Weekly. Yeah. And it tells you what's going on at SpaceX for a week. And there's always something going on out there. Right. They're tearing something down and building something, yeah. you know, or whatever, you know. And it's going to get oh, yeah. more and more because he's getting close. Yeah. And what? In February, he's supposed to launch Starbase, uh, the, the Starship again. Yeah. Starship again, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It only will take one or two more launches and he'll get that perfected. I guarantee it. And usually, third time's a charm with him. In the book, there's like a bunch of times that it takes him three times. Right. It's sort of like buying an Apple product. It takes like three, <laughs> the third version to get it right. Yeah. 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 All righty, everybody. Well, we've gone an hour and 40 minutes, which I think is probably wow. our longest podcast, Doug. Uh, yeah. But but everybody, it was great to give a book we're review. It's our, actually, we're going to have to pay our editors a little bit more extra money. I know. You know, the good thing is this was our <laughs> first book review, you know. Uh, we had not done one before. We hope that we'll do a few more of these, you know. Uh, yeah. On different topics. Currently, I'm reading. I just started a new book last night, and uh, it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Be Useful. Oh, wow. And and Arnold does the narration. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. And he does that. it from his office. So he'll say, he says in the beginning of the book that, Oh, you might hear a lawnmower. Or you might hear an airplane going overhead, or, or you know, Lulu, my pet horse, coming in here, and I'll have to feed him or something like that. You know, but yeah, but I'll, I'll I'm going to narrate this myself, and you know, I just, I'm just into like maybe a hundred pages in it so far, but it's it's not bad. Wow, cool. And then I just mentioned I just finished Stalin. Now, Stalin, yes, you did. A humongous book. It's up. You can see it up there on the bookshelf there. Right. You know, but you know. Yeah. Well, a lot I'm, of people I've got to figure out where I'm going to put was. the uh, where I'm going to put the book. It's going to be somewhere in my background. I need to figure out where to put shelves in my backdrop. You know. So. There you go. But, all righty, Doug. Well, it was think, great to have I'll you. See on if I can tonight. find some other technology book that we can we can great. review. You know. Yeah. You know. Well, it was great to have you on, and everybody that tuned in, it was great to have everybody yeah. on. Uh, we're not really sure when the next Apple event will be. I hope it's next month. Maybe we'll have a short show of Vision Pro, and uh, we probably will have another show in March when the iPads or the newest iPads are released. So stay tuned for that. And, of course, uh, Doug is coming back for Season 3 of Doug's dugout. Uh, you know, major league baseball is just around the corner. Just around the corner, uh, pitchers and catchers report in the middle of February. Oh, wow. All the free agents, most, most of the free agents, the, the big free agents have been signed. Otani, he yeah. got that monster $700 million contract, right? Right. And, right. and, uh, the Cardinals, they signed a few free agents, mostly pitching. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they're trying to make a rebound. And um, from last year, disastrous year. And uh, so it's, I think it's going to be an interesting baseball scene. It's going to be interesting to see. Well, you know, the Dodgers got Otani and they got another Japanese, young Japanese pitcher named Yadamoto. Right. 
okay and they got him too and so the dodgers and they picked up some more pitching so the dodgers are going to be a powerhouse this year and um you know we just we just had the hall of fame voting last week uh three three more hall of famers went in uh you know um joe maher went in and uh carlos it wasn't carlos beltron it was another latin ball player and another guy they all went in the hall of fame yeah and that was interesting so you know it's it's a uh, I'm looking forward to baseball season. Hey, you know, well, March 28th, first game. Well, March 28th is the first game. Well, we're definitely excited about having you back for season three. So, uh, you know, we'll be starting that pretty soon. And, of course, football season is not yet over. We have the uh, <laughs> uh, AFC-NFC Conference Championships this weekend. So, so we'll who, who is a- going to the Super Bowl this year? Well, I'm not going to make any predictions, to be honest with you. But what, gonna, what's the last four teams left? I guess that's the question. Uh, it is the San Francisco 49ers against the Ravens, against the Detroit Lions, and, oh, my God, where's my map? Uh, where's my map? Give me a second. Kansas City's out, huh? Can't, no, Kansas City. Kansas City. So it's Kansas okay. City. Uh, Kansas City, uh, the Ravens, the 49ers, and the Detroit Lions. So... I'd love the Lions to get in there. Just, That'd be that interesting. Be so great. Yeah. But so yeah. we've got an episode of the Spin Zone tomorrow where we're going to review the um, the upcoming AFC NFC conference championships, and then on February 11th we've got the Super Bowl uh, out at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So uh, we're kind of excited about that as well. All righty, everybody. Well, it was great. For everybody who joined us and Doug, once again, it was a pleasure having you on and we will see yeah. you here in the next couple of weeks. Okay, Dan, we'll be waiting for you. All right. It was a pleasure. All righty, okay. everybody have a great evening and thank you for watching. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night.